Hello, I'm Anna Bogutska. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, Lana finally escapes to write her expose to take down Bloody Face and the whole of Briarcliff. Fucking finally. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like this episode contains one of the great, iconic American horror story scenes. <gasps> Oh, do we talk about it now or do we talk about it later? I feel like let's save it. But just yes. to like, you know, strap in, guys. Yes. <laughs> also, uh, we have not discussed this in advance. And I want to I want to hear if we agree on what we think is one of the most iconic American horror story scenes. Oh, OK. Ooh. Oh, I didn't think there'd be disagreement. I don't I'm know. Interested. Let's okay. see. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so let's start in the present. With Johnny Morgan and his milk fetish. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh... Yeah, that's pretty much it. He he hires a sex worker to breastfeed him. Yeah. And props to her for... I would say, like, putting on a good show. Oh, she was very great. Like, really professional mm -hmm. and was doing exactly what was requested. And, uh, like, I'm kind of in awe of her of just, like, keeping up the character the whole mm -hmm. way through this. And and not at any point giving away the fact that maybe this man is a, a, little, a little strange. Yeah. And you know what? No king shaming. People are into that fine just you know don't murder the sex worker please yeah i it's more his attitude towards it mm. <laughs> i would say <laughs> is concerning yeah there's um, some there's some big serial killer flags just waving yeah and he's so sweaty yeah he does do it really well though just being odd and creepy looking and just kind of you know when you get that gut feeling about someone and you're just like oh they've definitely got some nip laps yeah <laughs> um and i don't i'm <laughs> i don't have the language to describe this scene i'm sorry this <laughs> is true i also you know don't want to kink shame but also uh, the yeah, just the vibes coming off this man right now. Not great. Are extremely concerning. And I liked, I I did like when they're sort of gearing up to him, and and they're sort of doing this sexy exchange. I mm -hmm. mean, sexy for them of of for him, uh, of like, oh yeah, it's like I'm a I'm a faucet opening like mm, yeah I'm full titty full so full of milk and then he's like yeah yeah breastfeeding is is so important for early development <laughs> it's just like Jesus Christ that's that's the thing that feels so red flag to me yeah is why are you talking about early development yeah 
if you're gonna have a a milk fetish, just have a milk fetish. Don't don't describe <laughs> the the science behind it. No, we're not here for the science, Johnny. And although you know that is a that is a a cute callback to Papa Bloody Face. Well, yeah, like father, like son, clearly. <laughs> just extreme, <laughs> severe mummy issues. And just loves to drop an inappropriate science fact <laughs> into the middle of like a pre-murder. Moving on from Johnny Morgan. Moving on from... <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Sorry, everyone. We're struggling. <laughs> We're struggling with this. <laughs> Moving over from... <laughs> It's a lot to, I'm sorry, but that scene is like a lot to handle because it's just like a lot of information just flying at your face. Yeah, just an open faucet of information. There's such extreme close-ups because it it just like (laughs) goes straight from like his face, her face, her boobs, his face. Yes. Like it's this, this, this like triangle of like, and it's just, it's intense. It is very intense, but I do appreciate that we never actually see him suckle on her, and you kind of there's a there's a quite a um, tasteful is not a word I thought I would use in this context, but I'm gonna use it. There's quite a tasteful like dissolve um, when it comes time to for their actual encounter, because um, I think. I think the way that Pandora, which is the name of the sex worker, is is actually treated quite respectfully in the scene. I mean, obviously, you know, she does not have a happy ending because she, the way that she's presented, I thought was fine. It's sort of is. I think it it's respectful towards the fact that this is just her job. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. like she's just doing her work, and 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 she's a professional, so she's you know she's playing up the whole character. She's She's really like going for it and 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 yeah, and I think it's it's nice it is nice to see just a, a show that has like a basic respect mm-hmm. for sex workers as people doing a job. So let's move on to I guess the meat of the episode is very much Lana. Yeah, this is very this is a Lana episode. Yeah. So a lot of stuff happens to her. I mean, chiefly, she finally gets out of Briarcliff through the help of mother, through the help of the mother superior who literally books her a taxi and that's it. I imagine there was some off-screen paperwork, right? (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) book somebody a taxi, off you go. Mm. I would love to hear your thoughts about the way the scene where Lana gets out is shot. Well, this is the, this to me is, this is the iconic. Okay, good, good. Because that was also mine. Yeah, it's just the way that it's so, it's so over the top and so operatic of Mm -hmm. like the slow motion, like him coming out. And he sees her and she's getting into the taxi. Mm. And then it's just that shot. And I'm sure everyone, even if you haven't watched American Horror Story before, knows this particular Mm -hmm. shot of where she smacks the tape onto the window of the taxi and then just slowly brings up the middle finger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
and drives away. <laughs> it's this like intense, like operatic music in the background. Like, ah. it's um, it's just it's so perfectly typed and paced and put together. But it's the whole scene, isn't it? Because it's the her coming down the stairs now in sort of civilian clothes as well, and the clothes that she was brought into Briarcliff wearing. Mm. And it's the split screen again. It's the split screen between her point of view and Kit and Bloody Face's point of view. They're talking on the stairs. And she has to go right behind Bloody Face without him realizing that it's her. And you know I love a split a split screen. And so does Ryan Murphy. <laughs> you just love a split split screen. I do. <laughs> if anyone's been watching Ratchet, I guess we've probably mentioned that this <laughs> exists in the background. <laughs> uh, a lot of split screens in that. Oh yes, I had a ball with all the split screens in Ratchet. <laughs> but it's so wonderfully done because it's like, in it gives us these intense close up on close ups on these actors' faces in this very small moment that is just made operatic through the music and the split screen. And it's such a De Palma thing as well. I love it. It is very De Palma. And it's that great little moment where Lana and Kit have this like this split second eye contact. Yes. And like suddenly he knows. Like I, I just love when people have those little moments where it's just a look. And one yes. character will suddenly be like, okay, I know what I need to do in this moment. And so he uh, just takes advantage to distract Bloody Face for a little bit longer so that she can slip past. It's a beautiful moment. I love it. Go, Kit. Go, Kit. Go, Lana. <laughs> so when she's actually out, it's sort of off screen, off screen but, you know, she does write her expose. She exposes all the stuff and she's got proof because she has the tape and she's got her patient file with her that the mother superior gave her. And she goes to the police and she tries to get them to uh, get Jude out, who is the sort of one of the last living witnesses that's still trapped in Briarcliff. And she goes in there and the Monsignor pretends that Jude passed away. What did you make of this scene and this turn of events? Oh, like, of course the... (laughs) Of course, the one obstacle to justice and to Lana finally, like, achieving her goal is the fucking Monsignor. (laughs) With his little smarmy face being like... Oh no, she's not here. She died. It was so sad. I went into her cell and she had died by suicide. It was, I am so tragic. And like, we don't even, they do cut away and show to us that she has been locked away in solitary and Mm -hmm. hidden away. We didn't need to see that. I just knew it from his stupid little face (laughs) that he was obviously lying (laughs) because he is a lying piece of shit. After everything that he's gone through, he pushed the devil off of a balcony. (laughs) And he's just straight back to his, like, normal, oh, I'm so desperate to be Pope ways. I mean, babes, you're not going to be Pope at this stage. You've just been part of a, we can only assume, 
a national scandal about how you mistreat people. Really would be the point to just give, just throw in the towel now. Yes. <laughs> think, think of other careers that you might want to pursue. Also, do you know what? Again, like we discussed last week, the lack of big picture thinking by the Monsignor. Just staggering. I mean, to be honest, why doesn't he write a tell-all expose called I Push the Devil Off a Balcony? Well, no, like, even more sorted than that. Like, I got deflowered by the devil. Yeah. Which is something you God and God and the devil definitely exist. A book (laughs) by the Monsignor. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like he could make... A lot of money off of that. <laughs> you, you could make a hell of a franchise off of that. Out, out of definitive proof of both heaven and hell. Yeah. Can, you know. Got everything. Monetize that in some way. I mean, that's all he wants, doesn't he? He just wants to monetize everyone in order to become Pope. Well, clearly that's not going to happen. So, pivot. Yeah, also, I feel like if you could present definitive proof of heaven and hell, you could probably become Pope. (laughs) Right? They might give you a pass in that instance. (sighs) Yes. So while we're at Briarcliff, the other person who gets released because of Lana's expose is Kit. And again, very bureaucratic, very no-nonsense. Oh, okay, you're out now because you're not bloody face. And Kit does manage to convince the Monsignor to do one good thing, and that's to release Grace, who technically is dead because of when she was shot and then Arden didn't put through the paperwork that she was returned by aliens. (laughs) Again, not a sentence I thought I'd say. (laughs) Um, So they get to go back to Kit's house and you know, start a family and they've got a baby now and it's all very pretty and there's autumn leaves and they're so beautiful and everything is kind of as Kit left um, in the house. Except when they return to the house, they find that Alma is also there with another baby. Babies all up in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Both alien babies. I, I liked the exchange that they have uh, earlier in the episode mm. where it's Kit and Grace talking about the baby. Yes. And she's like, this baby will change the way people think. Just sort of interesting. I don't really know what they're setting up with this. You see, that's one of the bits that I, uh, that I kind of didn't like in the sense that it's too late to set up like a baby Christ situation, I think. But the only thing I love about that scene is the fact that Grace goes off on this whole tangent explaining what it was like to be abducted, what she witnessed, kind of yeah. trying to explain as much as possible kind of how it worked that she had a baby so quickly and how she was, you know, revived. And she talks about kind of how this baby is going to change the world and the way that people think. And Kit just like looks at her. He's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Do you want to marry me? 
<laughs> which I thought was the most kid thing to do. <laughs> and they're both like, and then it, that scene ends with they're both like smiling blissfully at each other. Yeah. It's like, she unloaded a lot of information on you right now. Aliens exist. She literally yeah. just confirmed that they're extraterrestrial beings and she had a motherfucking baby with them. Also, kids, they keep watching you have sex with women. That <laughs> can we grapple with that for a second? And I like that in her description of her abduction, she says they're not cruel. And about thirty seconds later, then says I felt like I was being torn in half. <laughs> I mean, I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like you ate up a bit of that alien propaganda craze. <laughs> <laughs> they tore you in half. I feel like, without your permission or consent, I feel like that's a minus point for the aliens. They're, let's let's just bless them. They seem happy. They've got a baby. Yeah. Kids got a house, which is you know more than I can say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also Grace says this baby looks exactly like you. Which, because Kate goes, oh, the baby looks like me, normal. She goes, the baby looks exactly like you. <laughs> He's saying that Kit has a little tiny baby face. <laughs> well, he kind of does. Yeah, but I feel like that's such a weird, I don't, am I just, I feel like it's a really weird thing to say. Because people say, oh, the baby looks like you. As in, like, those are your genes. Mm. But to be like, my God, this baby is the uh, exact replica of your face. <laughs> adult man <laughs> to me that felt like a dig a subtle dig oh kid and his cute baby face baby face i mean i'm more interested in why the hell do the aliens only specifically want babies impregnated by this man well like, she says that you're you're special kit but never clarifies why and he's like cool 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 <laughs> yeah i guess i am the chosen one whatever <laughs> want to hang out hey let's go buy a horse because <laughs> that's like the first thing on his mind when he brings his 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 new wife and his baby alien child home he's like yeah maybe we could get a horse you're gonna have to feed it though i don't know anything about horses <laughs> like <laughs> Why is this where your mind is right now? Are you not processing anything that's going that is happening to you? You are the chosen prophet of an alien species. One wife is dead at this point, he thinks. You've just replaced her with another wife and a different baby. Why are you so chill right now? <laughs> Kit. Oh my god. I'm actually crying. I can't. <laughs> but that's what is so great about Kit, is that he can't be problematic because he's not smart enough to be. <laughs> he is so blessed by his own like unwillingness or inability to process information. He's just like, oh, cool. Horsey. <laughs> also why a horse like your house is not big enough to house a horse kid. maybe, maybe they don't a have dog. a 
Hansa. <laughs> like maybe start with a cat. Maybe guinea pig. Yeah. Escalate to a dog. Like, we don't even know if you can take care of a child. Yeah, focus on the the <laughs> alien baby <laughs> who might have untapped powers that you do not know about yet. Oh, God. He's <laughs> the best. I, I yeah. love it so much. He's just a pure innocent. <laughs> so, just to to wrap up all the other bits that happen in this episode, we need to go back to Lana and her now released. She goes back for one last confrontation with bloody face at his house what do you what do you make of that scene i mean i guess it does make sense for her character doesn't it because mm -hmm. she has this sort of desire to have control over her situation because she wants to get the story you know she wants to to be on top and and Especially having spent so much time without any power, I think now it's like Lana's great revenge. Um, and there is a little part of her that's lording it over him. So she turns up at his apartment um, with a gun and it's like, yeah, they're going to kill you. And he just wants a martini. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Because he's like, there's no martinis in prison. Just going to make myself a martini. Also, she's there because she wants to find out what happened to Wendy. I guess yes. I'm being unfair to Lana. She is really there because she just wants to know what happened to Wendy. I think, yeah, that's the only thing that makes it make sense. Because other than that, there is no point in her putting herself in that situation again. Without police there yet kind of going back to that house with a man who <laughs> is a serial killer obsessed with her so I, the, on, the only thing and again it's kind of tying back to her journalistic drive of she needs to know what happened to Wendy and on the one hand I can read it as uh, an emotional need to just for closure and on the other hand it's more I need to know how Wendy how Wendy's story ends to complete my story to complete the whole picture yeah well i guess with lana those things are it's kind of both right yeah i think that's what makes her such an interesting character is that her drive and her ambition are such a such a big part of who she is that there's no way to separate them it's not good or bad it just is and it informs the way that she deals with things around her. Yeah, and she puts such investment into the story that it sort of becomes difficult to separate what, yeah, what is her journalistic impulse and what is an emotional impulse, because they're kind of the same when it comes to Lana. Yeah. And I think even she in her own mind would have difficulty separating those mm. two things. And we only get one final scene with Lana well we get two really but I'm gonna mix them together so Lana goes to have an abortion and cannot go through with it she puts it in a way where she's sort of bombarded by memories and images of all the violence and death that she's been a witness to and has been subjected to so she gives birth to bloody faces 
child and the last scene in the episode is Lana in the hospital kind of being convinced to breastfeed the baby who is Johnny Morgan um, and does so very reluctantly and very coldly kind of looking up on this crucifix that looks uh, inverted from her point of view from where she's sitting. I found both of these scenes really interesting because they're kind of the the last sort of violation of Lana by all the forces of Briarcliff. Yeah, I didn't I didn't love this little piece of narrative cuz I think it's sort of I don't know because that's the thing. I, abortion and kind of kind of the emotional response behind it is immensely complicated. Mm-hmm. But I think to characterize abortion as an act of violence, I think potentially, <laughs> you know, stumbles into very complicated and also problematic territory because you know that's the the people who oppose abortion always want to uh, play it up as an act of violence, an act of death. Yeah. When, you know, the scientific reality is that it's a ball of cells. No, absolutely. And the way that I read the scene was kind of knowing all of that and is actually that it's... The way that I read it is that there was something about there's something quite violent about both options for Lana in the sense that somebody has already violated her and she now has to deal with this unwanted child and not that it's a child at this stage in her pregnancy I think it's more about regaining control in a way that makes sense for her in that in that situation both options are terrifying the abortion scene kind of comes so soon in the narrative after all of the events at Barcliff and all of the events with bloody face it kind of made sense to me I don't think it's sort of equating it to an anti-abortion stance in my book Mm. but I think it's more about her at that point not wanting her body tampered with anymore yeah that's the thing i don't ryan murphy would never intentionally put anything i mean you know he's a progressive pro-abortion person um yeah i so that's it it's not that i i actively was like dislike this but i think it there's just a part of it that made me feel slightly uncomfortable Mm. um because i think it's such it's it uh, a woman's feelings around having about an abortion are so complicated mm. and i think to to present it in a relatively simplistic way where she just says no more death i think didn't quite work for me i guess it's my feeling it's like, oh, I wish we could, you know, to it happen. It's just one scene, and then boom, she's had the baby, um, and and I don't know if 
at this point in history and when the show was originally released. Um, I don't know if it's the best way to deal with this topic. Yeah, just because like the whole narrative around it is like so fucked up at the moment. Yeah. And and I feel like I feel like you know something like this show has to be careful about how it presents those ideas because it was kind of a gut reaction for me mm-hmm. that my a part of my brain just went oh oh I don't know about that mm-hmm. but I understand your interpretation and I think that's definitely what they were going for is more about yeah more about the her wanting to have yeah control and and also you know uh, abortions can are and can be frequently quite you know can cause be traumatic experiences or or just you know cause a, a lot of sort of emotion mm. <laughs> um and so i think maybe that's her also not wanting to go through that cuz they're not like fun pleasant experiences i mean neither is giving birth to a baby that you don't want to give birth to but I guess she there was no fun way out of this. Again, because I kind of I kind of know when I don't expect any Ryan Murphy property to have kind of conservative values. Mm. But at the same time, I think that as I was watching that scene, the focus on the instruments and on the sterilization that she put really kind of drilled down for me the the trauma associated with medical situations kind of the the idea of being um subjected to doctor's whims i know that i know that's not at all how the scene reads but when i was thinking this is a very lana heavy episode and when i was thinking kind of of her character arc i can just imagine feeling that in that situation of the last thing you want to allow to happen to you after that whole experience is any sort of medical intervention because the distrust in mm. in those systems must be so intense and also you know this is the 1960s where um you know abortions were a lot riskier yeah and you know it's gonna be blood involved and for someone mm. who has seen so much blood i imagine that's you know the sort of part that mm is really triggering for her i think we've covered everything in the episode is there anything that you wanted to talk about before we move on to our categories um there was one just like extra shitty thing the monsignor did go on (laughs) just to mention it just so everyone understands why i hate him so much (laughs) when he's talking to sister jude and and he's like good thing you and i are friends oh and then he unplugs the jukebox yeah he's such an asshole (laughs) she does humiliate him so well though she's like you let yourself be deflowered by the devil yeah but then he's like oh you sound mad as a hatter (laughs) so i feel like she doesn't even really have power in that moment because he gets to just dismiss it it's like well you're a patient now so i don't have to listen to anything you say it's just a sad, sad man. And on that note, 
What was your favorite quote of the episode? I feel like this is a, a big, a frequently repeated quote. But yes. when Lana says, I am tough, but I'm no cookie. Oh, yeah. Because someone calls her a tough cookie. And it's like, yeah, I am not sweet and delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and gooey, melt in your mouth, deliciousness. No, but I am tough. It's just a good line. My favorite has to be from Pandora, the um, sex worker that Johnny Morgan hires, when she sums him up in like a very in a very great way where she's like you either have a mummy fixation or a calcium deficiency oh, that was really good <laughs> <laughs> was there any sad butts in this episode no we've really just veered away from the yeah. the sad buttery <laughs> you say is the mvp of this episode i mean aliens <laughs> i feel like the aliens are the mvp you're gonna go with aliens i mean they... kit i guess kit because he <laughs> has his house he's not only got one wife and one but he's got two wives and two babies <laughs> Lottery jackpot. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kit. I'm going to go with Grace because similarly to Kit, she now has some sort of special metaphysical understanding of the universe. She's just birthed some sort of special alien baby. She got a house. She might get a horse. And she got proposed to and taken out of the asylum. She's winning and putting in not that much effort. I feel like she, I don't even know if Grace is there anymore. Or are, these, are these the aliens? No, I don't. Sorry, maybe I didn't. I just. But are these the aliens? Because I, I feel know. like the people who come across the aliens are not really those people anymore. I feel no, like they I feel are. Like they change, but they're not possessed. Like, yeah. Like if they're one and possessed them is like two, they're like a one point six. Yeah. I feel like they're definitely part alien. <laughs> well they've now. They've definitely got alien babies. And she did also feel like she was being torn in half. <laughs> so I feel like she's so that's why I don't think it's Grace. Because mm. You went through that and you're coming out smiling like, oh, I have a baby. Everything's great. I love, I am one with the universe. Um, it sounds like what happened to her was very traumatic and was not an A++ experience. But she gets a horse. What? Yeah, but she has to take care of it. Because <laughs> Kit's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> What to do with the horse? You feed it and you brush it. It's really not that hard. You pick out the mud from its little footsies. <laughs> that sounds really hard, actually. Well, yeah, it's hard, but it's not like complicated. It's not rocket science. How to take care of a horse. <laughs> <sighs> and 
Did you pick up on any more insensitive historical references this week? I didn't, because today, like, I... This episode was very, I feel like, very supernatural, weird stuff. So I didn't really pick up on anything. Did you? No, I didn't. I did pick up on a ton of cinema references. Yes, this is quite a cinema <laughs> yes. reference heavy week. So one of my favorite ones is actually a music one. So in, in that split screen scene where Lana is escaping from Parkliff, they use Helen's theme by Philip Glass from the Candyman soundtrack. The Candyman, the 90s film, not the, the Nia da Costa remake that's coming out at some point next year. I thought that was a very good use of the of the tune. I have never seen Candyman because I am terrified of bees. <laughs> you uh, probably shouldn't see it if you're terrified of bees. Yeah, but I know I have to see it because the new one's coming out. So <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm going to have just a really unpleasant evening where I watch Candyman. I've got a couple more, but did you pick up on any? I thought there is at one point when Grace is describing her abduction, there's an alien egg, which Ooh. to me was very Ridley Scott's alien. I don't know, it just looked like the the little oh, pods yes. from Alien. And also in her abduction, when she's describing it, I mean, this is not a cinema reference, it's more TV, but it does look very much like the opening title credits of The X-Files, like with the distorted faces and the swishing camera and everything. Yeah, so what we're saying is that it's not very original. <laughs> their, their version of what aliens are. Well, I mean, it's got Candyman, it's got the X-Files, it's got Brian De Palma vibes with the split screen. I, I, I'm into it. Yeah. It's also almost got like douglas Sirky vibes when they come back to kit's house and everything is this sort of picture perfect you know fall leaves and he's got a beige coat on and they've got a True. little newborn baby but were there any douglas suck movies where there were two babies both of them aliens <laughs> <laughs> uh, no <laughs> I think that's that's more in the in the Murphy cinematic universe. That's his his contribution to this. Hey, I love it. Well, me too. <laughs> and what can we expect from the next episode? In the next episode, a new inmate threatens Sister Jude's release from Briarcliff. What? Oh. <laughs> oh, who's the new? I actually can't remember who the new inmate is. No, neither can I. <laughs> I'm intrigued. really excited to watch it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of American Horror Story Asylum. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. I'm at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Demented. Uh, I'm really not doing well with the songs. Fuck the Monsignor. Fuck the Monsignor. He sucks. <laughs> there we go. That'll do. I just I just wanted to say that I, I I do actually know how to say the word baby, but I've been I've started rewatching Shit's Creek, 
from the beginning and I just refuse to pronounce it any other way that's not the Moira way. That is what I assumed. Where is the baby? Did the aliens give you a baby? Oh, a baby. A baby alien. An alien baby. I love that show so much. Hey, sweep the Emmys. Good for them. Chemin en tout lieu, il ne 